Welcome back, everyone, to 101 Questions That Church Planners Ask. I'm your host, Danny Parmalee, and we've been discussing legal setup of the church plant in the last few episodes, and today we're going to be looking at 501c3 nonprofit status. Now, obtaining this status is important for a number of reasons, but uh, the two of them that are most important is that, first of all, people that donate to your church will receive a tax benefit if you have this status. Now, I know that people's motivation for giving should be centered around this gospel overflow and generosity, but trust me, people giving significant amounts of money, they are going to want this tax deduction and will probably ask you if you are a 501c3. The other main reason, which might not affect you so much right now, uh, but will uh, hopefully in the future, is that if you have 501 a C3 status, uh, it will help you in not having to pay property taxes. So pretty much all local and state entities are going to require uh, that you're recognized by the IRS as nonprofit uh, so that uh, you can get off of their property tax rolls. Now, I want to start off today by letting you in on a little secret. This honestly may be the best news of your day. A little bit of a drum roll and... If you are a part of a network or denomination, you may not need to file a full application spending hours of time and thousands of dollars. Sounds too good too good to be true, doesn't it? Or maybe even slightly illegal? I promise you it is not. This is actually the way that the IRS has set it up, and it is called a 501c3 umbrella. Meaning that your larger organization that has a 501c3 uh, can have organizations under them and your church plant being one of them. Now, the process to be included on the umbrella policy or to be included on an uh, umbrella is pretty simple. It's basically you just writing a letter requesting that you be added. Uh, You're writing to to your network, to your denomination. So they'll have to do a little bit of this uh, work on their side. And uh, they basically just add you, and there's no cost to you at all. Now, of course, this does mean that you have to have your EIN already. So this was discussed in episode four. If you don't have that yet, make sure you start there. Now, the other added benefit of having that 501c3 umbrella status uh, uh, is that if you're under the umbrella, you don't have to file the yearly 990 tax forms with the IRS. You literally do nothing to maintain your status. It's absolutely beautiful. Now, if you're not currently a part of a network or organization, I'm going to tell you because you're going to hear me say it over and over that church planters should not plant alone. Of course, I'd love to help you with that. You can head on over to churchplantersask.com, drop me a little note, and either I will try to convince you to uh, plant with the organization that I'm with, Converge, uh, but there's also other great ones out there as well, too, and I have no problem pointing you in their direction as well. Now, if you're adamant about going it alone or if your network doesn't provide you with an umbrella option, uh, you do have some hard work that's ahead of you to obtain your 501c3 status. Uh, Your first option is to hire a lawyer. Uh, you can expect to pay around $1,500, $2,000, maybe even a little bit more than that. Now, the advantage is that they know all the proper boxes to check. They can help sort through all of the paperwork with you. You're still going to need to do a lot of paperwork. The lawyer will ask you for different things. 
the, you know, how you're going to function, uh, your projected financials. So it doesn't mean you're off the work of, of doing the hard work, but at least the legal jargon, they'll be able to help you uh, do that. There are also online services that are less expensive than hiring a lawyer outright. Uh, so you've probably heard of LegalZoom uh, before. Uh, now, I did just recently talk to a friend of mine, Robbie, and he's on a church plant team here in Nashville, and he's uh, had other ministries and nonprofits. And he said that he gave LegalZoom a whirl and it was an absolute nightmare. He said, do not do it. Uh, he did, however, though, suggest a book uh, by Dr. Kitty Bickford titled Do Your Own Nonprofit. And he said that was super helpful then when he uh, really went on his own to do it. Now, I will drop the uh, in the in the blog notes. You can go ahead and look. I'll, I'll leave a link for Dr. Kitty's um which, by the way, that's a that's a great name to have, Dr. Kitty. Dr. Kitty's uh, book in there. Now, one thing to keep in mind is that when you start your 501c3 process, you need to do it right away because the clock is ticking from the time that you officially incorporate. So this is what the IRS says. It says an organization must file its exemption application within 27 months from the end of the month in which it was formed. If it does so, it may be recognized as exempt back to the date of formation. If an organization files its exemption after the 27-month deadline, exempt status may only be recognized from the filing date forward. So what this means is even if you're approved uh, for your, uh, or even if you aren't approved yet for your 501c3, you can accept tax-deductible donations. So in other words, donors can give to the church as long as you have filed that form and it will backdate if you're within those 27 months to the first day. So this is really helpful. It means you can start accepting donations right away, but you do need uh, to, uh, to, to file it. Now, if you wait until after the 27 months, then people that have made donations, they could be, uh, if they get audited by the IRS could uh, get in trouble themselves and potentially get you in some trouble. Now, if you're uh, going to uh, go on your own, um, you know, there it is not impossible. Okay, so I don't want to scare you and saying, you know, it is impossible. You can't file 501c3 by yourself. You have to pay a lawyer uh, or you're just going to die trying. Uh, and I had a conversation with a pastor friend of mine who successfully has applied for and granted numerous 501c3 status uh, uh, applications. And so listen in on this uh, conversation that I had with him. Well, I've got Pastor Joe here, who is uh, uh, an expert, we'll call him. At least uh, uh, maybe he will uh, share some things about uh, applying for 501c3 status. And uh, Joe, you uh, did you plant Grace Chapel? I did. Yes, we started uh, in uh, 1990, and uh, the, the very first thing we did once we had our board assembled was to apply for a 501c3 because at that point we were a, a, a non-denominational church, so we had to come up with our own nonprofit status. Well, that's great, and and part of the reason I asked that question, I don't know if you even remember my story or not, but I uh, came to Christ uh, as a freshman at University of Wisconsin Oshkosh and uh, kind of pulled out of a life of drinking and drugs, and, and I needed to go to a church. So you were the closest church uh, that I just said, I woke up the next day, said, I got to go to church. So just walked into a church and uh, had the privilege of 
uh, sitting under your teaching for a while as a, as a young believer. And uh, so, so thank you for that. I couldn't remember or not if you had actually planted uh, the church or not. So very cool to be able to reconnect now as you're yeah. able to share with us. And uh, part of the reason that I reached out uh, to you is I you know, put out on social media, uh, people having experience with uh, applying for their own 501c3. And you had responded that you have done it yourself and that you've done it numerous times. So uh, tell me a yeah. little bit about that. Was it for church? Was it for um, other organizations, networks? Uh, wh- wh- why have you applied so many times? The reason I've applied so many times is because I've been on the board of directors for lots of different ministries and missionary missionary endeavors over the years and uh, started back in the 70s in my own missionary career back then and then moving into pastoral work in the 80s. But in the meantime, while I was in pastoring and doing church stuff, I was also still maintaining my friendships with my old missionary buddies and uh, and seeing the need for nonprofits to get started. So, but for those that really do want to try to do it themselves, um, give me a little bit of what are some of those hoops or challenges? What can they expect? Can just a regular Joe Schmo, if they want, do it? Or should they, you know, um, be looking for a lawyer to help them and just, you know, pay the fees or, Hey, you can do all of this but you're going to need a lawyer, you know, for X, Y, and Z. You know, I found, I mean, we had a lawyer help us get, get one of our, one of our uh, uh, nonprofits started. And what the advantage of doing it with the lawyer then was that he had all the legalese that you had to have when you submitted your application to the IRS. He, he had it down. He'd done it before. And so, but once you've got the legal terminology down and all of the different paragraphs and things that you have to add in the description of your organization, once you've got that down, you don't need a lawyer anymore. You, any, like you said, any Joe Schmo can do it. And uh, it just takes patience and a little bit of uh, footwork. And, and then uh, you're off to the races. But there is a step-by-step process that you've got to go through. I think that's what's intimidating for guys if they've never done it before. Mm-hmm. It, there is a step by, and you've got to follow the steps, or it can get very frustrating. And um, and sometimes you try, you get the cart before the horse, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're you don't know what you're doing, and you're calling a lawyer, you know. So, yeah. um, how long? How many hours would you say, or kind of what should someone expect? Let's say it's an ambitious church planter. It's January first, and they're thinking, I really want to do this. I want to get the ball rolling. Um, what would I mean, you know, a fairly average, like, hey, if you put this amount of time per day kind of into it, um, how long to actually apply? Mm-hmm. And then uh, what about the response time to know, oh, yes, I, I, I received everything back. I got the stamp of approval. Your, uh, the hours that you're going to put into it just to do the paperwork and get all your ducks in a row before you submit your application to the IRS, I would say you're probably talking not just not just your own hours, but the hours that you're going to have to spend with your board of directors uh, probably be in the somewhere in the area of about 20 to 30 hours of, of work. Uh, yeah, so 30, which is great. But th- this is kind of what I want to know as well, too. Um, if you make mistakes, <laughs> what happens? So let's say you check the wrong box or, yeah. um, you know, you said, hey, the, you know, the the board will vote on all you know, financial decisions above 
$500 or something. I don't know, yeah. something that either trips yeah. you up. Did you make mistakes? What happens? You just get an absolute denial. You know, does the IRS come in they and talk to you? Or no, the government? It's not an absolute denial. It's just a letter they send you uh, for, um, uh, for corrections. So, and then they give you like uh, 30 days to correct it. Okay. So it's like I say, it's time consuming. in the fact that once you submit that final document, Mm -hmm. uh, it's called a 1023. Once you submit that to the IRS, they, they're not in any rush to process those things. Mm -hmm. Those that can take up to four to six months to get okay. back to you. Just, just the response saying, Oh, by the way, you forgot to check that box. That's great. Well, Pastor Joe, thank you so much uh, for sharing. We will put your contact information in the written portion of the blog for this so that people cool. uh, can contact you. That's all we have for today. Thanks so much for listening. Remember, if you have a question about church planting, go to churchplantersask.com. You can submit your question there, or if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, would love to know of your availability and your topic. So until next time, keep asking those questions.